2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're looking at verses 12 through 19. If you would please follow along in reading of the Word of God, beginning at verse 12. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. For in what respect were you treated as inferior to the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not become a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. Here, for this third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you, for I do not seek what is yours but you. For children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls if I love you more Am I to be loved less? But be that it may, I did not burden you myself. Nevertheless, crafty fellow that I am, I took you in by deceit. Certainly, I have not taken advantage of you through any of those whom I have sent to you, have I? I urged Titus to go. I sent the brother with him. Titus did not take advantage of you, did he? Did we not conduct ourselves in the same spirit and walk in the same steps? All of this time, you have been actually thinking that we are defending ourselves to you. Actually, it is in the sight of God we have been speaking in Christ and all of you upbuilding beloved. Father, help us to hear the words of the Apostle Paul, the power of your spirit. And Father, in in these strange days that we live, We are without excuse. We have your holy word. Many have looked at your holy word. Many have studied your holy word. And yet, Father, it is almost as if there is no discernment. Uh, Help us, Father. Help us not to be ensnared in the, the, the snare of the devil. Father, help us to stand in your grace. Father, help us to be able to look And know them by their fruit. Father, help us to see a true pastor. In Christ's name, amen. This section, 12 through 19, uh, I kind of titled it uh, a true pastor. Uh, The reason is it's a very personable section of the Apostle Paul. It has to do with his heart. You can see who he is. Uh, You can see... uh, in the outline, what his concerns are. I can look around. I've been in this community for a very long time. I have seen many come and go, uh, and I have seen many of the, the systems and methodologies that people are uh, implementing. I actually had a meeting last Sunday afternoon with a, a group that they were concerned about their pastor because he's, he's got a, a church for cowboys. And um, any time that I hear you have a church for a specific group makes me nervous. Uh, my Bible teaches that the three groups are Jews, Gentiles, and the church. And they all fit into those three groups. I do not be, need to be specific. I do not need to be a Gen X church. I do not need to be a millennial church. I do not need, you know, so on. When I hear that, what you're telling me is I'm dividing. Okay, that is not 
what the church is for. The Apostle Paul was stunned that the wall had been torn down between the Jew and the Gentile by the work of Jesus Christ. Okay? Anyway, this guy's wanting to have a a church. He's becoming a, a tad bit authoritarian. No, he's becoming very authoritarian. He has some uh, sexual misconduct going on, but he says, who am I to judge? It is all in the name of grace. And he would like to get him a church where they could have draft beer in the back so that people who want to drink have a safe place to drink and they can discuss the things of God. (laughs) Yahoo! (laughs) Gosh, why didn't I think of that? Okay, I mean, let's get big screen TVs. When the Super Bowl's on, we'll be packed. But 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 you listen to this stuff, and, and you know my advice to him was flee, go. He says, "Well, should I?" No, 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 no. <laughs> Run away. Huh? You do not have to confront that. You didn't. No, go. Okay, and I, I think he took me. He says, "Well, what verses can you?" All right, I'll give you some books. You read these books, and I like First John, Jude, First Peter. Uh, you know, a few other books. You know. Uh, that uh, no 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 that's that's not a church that is the beginning of a bar, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I mean I I've never heard a bar built that way, but hey, the year of entrepreneur. So I see these kinds of things. Now that's an extreme, okay? But let me tell you something. That is not as extreme as you think it is. I had a church here in town. Guy believes in the Bible. It's obvious he reads his Bible. I've had multiple conversations with him. And he says he's going to start doing a Saturday night service. And I was like, well, you're getting enough people there. And he says, well, there's a whole bunch of people that you can reach on Saturday night that you can't get on Sunday. And I was like, well, all right, I'll, I'll buy that. And he says, what we're going to do is we're going to turn the lights down low and the music up loud. Well, ain't that a bar too? <laughs> I mean, okay, so you ain't got tap. Bring your own bottle? Really? That's church? That is church. I don't understand. And yet, they all smile at you. And I'm sitting there going, dude, you've read. You understand? You're without excuse. Not many of you should be teachers. Theirs is a harsher judgment. Have you ever read that verse? You might want to go back and check that one out. All right. And and yet that is the community that you and I are in. You and I are eyeball deep in the Corinthian society. Okay, please understand that. And so when I start looking around, I read texts that says it will come a time when men will not hear sound words and they will heap to themselves teachers that tickle their ears. Okay, the scary part about that is it's easy to find a lot of teachers to tickle your ears. It means I can heap them to me. All right, so that's not complicated. All right, but what happened to the church? Why doesn't the church um, discern this? I've never seen anything like it, but yet I hear it. Well, I can't judge a man's heart. No, I can't. I can judge a man's actions. Not only can I, I am commanded. The Bible teaches me judgment begins with the house of God. 
You got it? And I hold them up. Well, that don't look right. All right? Now, if you can change it or make it something else, knock yourselves out. But if it don't line up with Scripture, then guess what? It's a lie. Did you hear what I said? I want you to make sure because it wasn't a white lie. It, it, It wasn't a spin document. It was a lie. Do we understand that? All right. You have truth and you have lie. When I look at the Apostle Paul, I cannot think of another person who is the most adamant illustration of a true shepherd, a true pastor. That's what a, a pastor is a shepherd. I know if you watched any of the television this week, <laughs> do I even touch it? <laughs> El Papa is in town. <laughs> that's, that's the length of my Spanish. <laughs> and and I, I'm sitting there thinking, Jesus Christ never got the response that this man is getting. Okay? And he spoke four times in Washington, D.C. Two in a church, one in Congress, and one with the President of the United States. And I've heard all the stuff about it. Da, 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 and it's all political. This I don't I care. You know what I was listening for? Two words. I only wanted to hear two words. Out of three of those messages, I never heard it. You know what the two words was? Jesus Christ. Don't you find that fascinating? That the vicar of Christ never mentions Christ? That's fascinating to me. I mean, I don't, I don't care about global warming. I've read Revelations. I mean, that, that, that's some depressing stuff there now. I mean, you, Greenpeace is going to go nuts. Okay? <laughs> Them boys are going to be busy in their little rubber boats. <laughs> okay? <laughs> but uh, all I know is that if you are spokesman for Christ, why don't you mention him? Okay? You know, well, he didn't say abortion. No, he's a spokesman for Christ. It is the church of Christ. I don't care about the social things. Tell me Christ. And he didn't say nothing. I find that fascinating. Now, I didn't hear him in Philadelphia. I had about enough of him. I even turned it on and had some stuff with it on ESPN. Really? I want football scores. I don't care if he's in Philadelphia. So, anyway, let's move on before I get myself banned from the airways. How do I spot a true pastor? How do I know this man is a true pastor? Okay. Uh, you got five things on your outline there. Faithfulness, sacrifice, honesty, reverence, and edification. We'll go, I'll review these quickly. Verse 12, the true pastor has a concern for faithfulness. Right there at verse 12, it says, with all perseverance. See, the, the true pastor understands who hired him. Okay? Who set you aside for your task? God did. And if he called you to this, then you had better persevere through it. You don't get into the pastorate for rewards. Okay? It's one of the most brutal jobs I've ever seen on the planet. It's worse than insulating a house. 
All right? The rewards are eternal. You don't get to pick it. It isn't a matter of how many conversions you get. It isn't a matter of how many baptisms you do, how many funerals you do, how many weddings you do. It ain't got nothing to do with any of that. You are faithful to the task that your God assigned you to. Are you faithful to it? Because let's be realistic. I can look at some amazing men of God and put them up to the criteria that we have today. And they would look like great failures. Look at Jeremiah. Look at Ezekiel. Look at Zechariah. Look at the Apostle Paul. Look at Peter. Look at Matthew. Look at John. Oh, did I ever tell you about that one guy? Jesus. You can't hold them up to our criteria today and say they were successful. Jesus has never published. And yet in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So you see that? So you can't, it doesn't line up. But they were all faithful to the task that was set before them. I want you to preach my gospel unadulterated here now. And I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stop it. Okay, if you go look at today what we define as church growth, it never has to do with spiritual stewardship. It's numbers. Now, there ain't a pastor in town to tell you that. But you cannot tell me by what they're doing, that ain't the goal. Okay, I'm going to have a bar in the church? Really? What is the goal of that? I'm going to turn the lights down low and the music up loud. What is the goal of that? What does that accomplish? All right? These are the kinds of things that I want you to think about when you think about the faithfulness of a true pastor. What is his concern? And his faithfulness, what is his concern? Does he spend more time, uh, what do you call it, mingling or in the Word of God? That's the only thing I have to ask. How much time do you spend in a book? Simple question. Why? Because that is where his perseverance will come from. That's where his energy will come from. That's where he will get the ability through all the suffering that the world will throw at him to press on to the upward calling of Christ. And he can't get it from anywhere else. He will not get it from his spouse. He's not going to get it from his co-laborers or his, what do they call that thing now? Accountability group. He will only get it from the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That is where the perseverance comes from. You look at the Apostle Paul, he was a man of the book. And by being a man of the book, when they can stone him and drag him out and throw him on a manure pile, and when he comes to go back into that same city and continue preaching the gospel, you don't get that anywhere but from the Word of God and the power of God and the purpose of God. And it won't come anywhere else. 
Won't come from anywhere else. Second thing, verse 13 through 16, first part of 16, is sacrifice. Sacrifice. A true pastor has a concern for sacrifice. His concern is not for himself. His concern is not for himself. His concern is for the people. Those that have been entrusted to him. Hebrews chapter 13 says, You should submit, should submit to your elders, for they have to give an account for your souls. A true shepherd understands that the people that cross his path, he has an accountability. It may just be a brief passing. Doesn't matter. It may be a long-term relationship. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He has a faithfulness to what God has called him to. He will be faithful to the people that God brings into his life. The Apostle Paul says here, I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. I was not a burden to you. Three times he mentions it. I was not a burden to you. I was not a burden to you. I never came to the church to get from you. I came to the church to give to you. Think about that for a second. Many in the body of Christ today come to the church for what they can get. Everyone should come to the church for what they can give. And then the next question I will always ask, is it sacrificial? Sacrificial is this way. I have a 450SL Mercedes and I have a 62 Volkswagen Beetle. Which one is a sacrifice to give away? Okay, which one's a sacrifice? Because see, sacrifice means I'm giving something that is dear to me, that is of value to me. You know what? The single greatest thing that you have... In your existence is your time. You have no idea how much you got. And it is very dear to you. Very dear to you. What do you spend it on? What do you spend it on? That is the sacrifice. That is what the Apostle Paul is trying to do. If you want to see a true pastor, God called man. One, he's faithful to the task that God is sending to. He's not looking at it for what he believes is success. God gives him his success. Second thing is, he lives a sacrificial life. His time is for everybody else, regardless. I find myself at times, I remember reading uh, some of the autobiographies of uh, John Calvin. John Calvin lived in the 1500s, okay? So if you needed light, you lit a candle, okay? Very seldom did you even have oil. He took in his brother's two kids, okay? Because his brother was a drunk, and so he raised his brother's two kids. His wife died for the, with giving birth to the third child, and so he raised five kids by himself, John Calvin. He wrote the Institutes at 24, one of the greatest theological dissertations that has ever been set out on the planet Earth. At 24. All right. He was a master of the Greek, the Hebrew, the Latin, the German, and English. Raising five kids. He had an exquisite time with kidney stones. That's how he described it. 
And at the time, if you had kidney stones at the time in the 1500s, your, the cure was drink lots of milk. Okay, if you think about it today, that's really not a good plan. But that's what the cure for it was. He taught six times a week from the pulpit, five times a week in the seminary that he created in Geneva. And he hand translated the Bible that you and I know as the King James. And if he had a busy day ahead of himself, now think about that, what I just gave you. If he had a busy day ahead of himself, he would get up two hours earlier so he could have the quality quiet time with the Lord. Okay? Raising five kids without a wife. And health issues. And dim lights. That was sacrifice. One of the things that I have learned, I'm getting close to 60. I'm getting closer than I want to be. But I, I filed a complaint about it, but it just, it ain't working. And I thought as you got older, it chilled out a little bit. You get a little, you get a little more, you know, downtime. I got a fly rod for Christmas. It's still in the package. I look at it every once in a while, I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> I wonder what it does. <laughs> Looks like an antenna for my truck. Okay. Now I find myself waking up. I was usually getting up at four. Now I'm getting up at three, uh, sometimes 2.30. My wife always freaks out and wonders if I'm sick. And what I'm finding is, is that God says, this is the only break you're going to get today to talk to me. You may want to use it. And I was like, yes, boss. <laughs> no problem. I'm up. What's on the plate? All right. And then the days go long. And you know what? I've already told him, you know what? I read Isaiah. You will run and not grow weary. I believe that with all of my soul. You don't have to keep proving it. Okay. But he evidently thinks my faith is weak and continues to prove it. And, and I wish that people would understand it because it's, it is this simple. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what happens? All things are added unto you. Now we can sit here today and say, well, I believe that. Really? Really? How much effort do you put in seeking his kingdom and all things? Compared to uh, fill in the blank. But see, that is the sacrifice of a true pastor. A true pastor says, well, you know, I'm here because you said I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be doing what you say to do. Got it. Therefore, my life is a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and pure. This is my act of spiritual worship. Got it. Which brings me to the second half of 16 through 18. Honesty. Honesty. Paul had sent men who were... Fellow laborers of his and his concern. The, the concern was what was Paul? The big concern in this context was there was a big offering that was going to Jerusalem that the Gentile churches had taken up. And it was evidently a very large sum of money. And Paul had sent two gentlemen that we discussed last week and Titus, who they all knew 
And he says, they will go with me to make sure that this money gets delivered. Okay? Sounds good. No problem. Yet, people would accuse him. They were attacking his character. They were attacking his integrity. And if they do that, then what they can get away with is, don't listen to his message. We have the true gospel. Because he can't be trusted. The same thing happens today. Same thing happens today. Okay, I remember, uh, it's been a number of years ago, I used to do some electrical work, and everybody was going to these goofy, energy-efficient light fixtures. Just a footnote, they're a waste of money. Okay? It's, it's somebody selling a bill of goods. Okay? Anyway, so, <laughs> I down by the post office is a liquor store, and the guy asked me if I'd put the lights in. I said, sure. So I went in and transferred all the lights out, put it all in, and it cost him a fortune, and he didn't save a nickel. Okay? But he felt better. And somebody saw me coming out of the liquor store. Look! There's that pastor coming out of the liquor store. They didn't know that I was carrying a ladder. Okay? I buy mine by the six-foot stack. And they don't ever come and ask me, what were you doing in the liquor store? But they start running around the community saying, the pastor's in the liquor store. Then I remember one night I went looking for a guy's wife at the bar. I'm glad no one's seen me doing that. What were you doing in the bar? And you came out with a woman. <laughs> yeah. And she was white as a ghost. <laughs> but but you see what I'm trying to get at? Why? Attack the integrity. Why? Now I don't have to listen. And then I can run around and tell everybody, uh uh-uh, I ain't going to listen to him no more. Paul was honest about what he did. I want to quickly look at this next one because this one here really, really bothers me. It's the first part of verse 19. All of this time you've been thinking that we are defending ourselves to you. Actually, it is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ. It was Paul's concern for reverence. Paul's concern for reverence. I have heard a lot of things going on these days. I know pastors in our community who do not have the uh, passwords to their computers because they're afraid that they might be tempted to look at something inappropriate on their uh, computers. And so they have their secretaries or someone else, an assistant, who has the password. So when they come in and they want to use their computers, then they type in the password, they can't see it, and then they know that the history of whatever they've been looking at is everybody can get on it and find out what they've been looking at. Now let me tell you something. That is a lack of reverence to God. I don't care what your password is. Oh, you, you think he doesn't notice? What is that? And yet I watch it. I mean, people tell me that you still wear a, a tie when you preach. Sure. Well, you know, you can't relate with the people. If you're telling me my tie keeps me from relating with you, you've got the problem. <laughs> I ain't got the problem. Okay. I write a Harley Davidson. You've got the problem. All right. I, I don't understand some of this, but yet that's what it is. 
you are trying to make people like you, and if they like you, they'll like your Jesus. Well, you know what? They killed my Jesus. Paul gets back here in the essence that he doesn't want anyone in the Corinthian church to misunderstand the defense of his integrity and his apostleship. Remember, these guys are calling themselves super apostles. That's the Greek phrase. We're super apostles. Okay? Paul says, no, I am. (laughs) All right? That church doesn't exist if I don't show up. And he gets back to it because he hates to defend himself. But if you remember, the Corinthians had driven him to this. They had forced him to do this. Okay? He understood that he was not on trial by the Corinthians. The Corinthians are not his judge when it came to his character or his conduct, as his accusers were saying. So he says it this way. All of this time, okay, all of this time, what is he talking about? This entire letter, all of this time, this entire epistle, All of this time, they had been thinking the Apostle Paul was defending himself. All right, look what he says. Actually, it is in the sight of God that we are been speaking in Christ. See, his reverence ain't for the people. His reverence is for Christ. He had a fear of his God. Okay, when we say the fear of God is the beginning of salvation, that's reverence. I understand who he is. Anytime I think that I'm getting getting it all figured out, I think of it this way. Isaiah 40, 12. The span of his hand is creation. The waters fit in the hollow of his hand. You ain't got nothing figured out, Terry. I spoke matter into existence. And then if I'm really feeling full of myself, I think about this. He created time. Okay, and then you sit down and shut up. All right, he created time. Poop. There we have it. Next thing on the list. Okay. See, Paul understood because of his faithfulness to what the Lord had asked him to do, he understood that he stood before a divine tribunal. See, it was in the sight of God that he had been speaking in Christ. He already said this earlier, chapter 2, verse 17. For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. I remember one time I did a, uh, (laughs) I had to preach. I was going to school to, to preach, expository preaching. I had to give a message in in front of Dr. Stephen Olford and and a, a group of people. There was a number of pastors. I think there was nine pastors there, and it was funny because they they all come. Pastors have this thing they call it their their their, their, their sugar stick, and and I kept thinking, well, I'm a diabetic. What's a sugar stick? They said this is my best sermon, and as soon as they told me that, of course I was there. 
And I was going through a text that I was studying on my own, and I was just going to preach that. And I'm like, I don't know if this is my best sermon or not, because I've never preached it. <laughs> and and so uh, they asked, okay, you got nine pastors sitting there. All right, who wants to go first? And I, was, I was on the jump, bud. I had it. I'm going first. And they said, well, why do you want to go first? I said, because I don't want to go last. <laughs> I want to go first. That way I can pass out and you can take me to the hospital and the rest of you guys can go on. Okay. And so the day that we were supposed to preach, I was there, had my Bible there. I sat down, and this one secretary was sitting there. She says, uh, are you nervous? <laughs> I just looked over at her, and I said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> I said, if my hands are on fire, I couldn't spit to put them out. <laughs> I mean, you got to be kidding me. I'm scared to death. This guy taught Billy Graham how to preach. Okay, and I'm going to preach in front of him. She says, well, Terry, you know, every Sunday you preach before Christ. Ruth, I don't see him sitting there taking notes. (laughs) Paul understood that. Listen. God is the only audience that a true, faithful preacher is ever concerned about. Do you understand that? Paul was quite clear, adamant about this understanding. Uh, In his first letter, chapter 4, verses 3 to 5. But to me it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you, or any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. For I am conscious of nothing against me, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's heart. And each man's praise will come to him from the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may be recompensed for the deeds in the body that he has done. Did you get that part? I hope you get a little part there that says, each of us, each of us, Talking in his last letter he ever wrote, passing the mantle of his work on to a young Timothy. In Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instructions. Chapter 4, verse 8. In the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. See, the concern of a true pastor is God alone. It's God alone. Nothing else. Doesn't matter what the people's response was. 
It doesn't matter how many people you led to Christ. It doesn't matter how many baptisms you've done. It doesn't matter how many this, that, or the other you've done. How many church programs you've gone through. How many of you placed in the mission field. Or how many people you've put in ministry. Or how many seminary professors you've talked to. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. It's all before Jesus Christ. The concern of a true pastor is God and God alone. This was absolutely the central focus of the Apostle Paul. Regardless, it didn't really matter. It didn't really matter. So if you want to see a true pastor, know that he has a concern for his faithfulness to what God has called him to. Know that he has a concern for the sacrifice of his life for everyone else to be spent and expended. Know that he has a sacrifice and he's concerned for the honesty of the ministry. It's funny because I listen to guys who tell me, you know, it's, it's funny. A guy can baptize 41 guys and he'll tell you 50. Let me tell you something. You know how many people you baptize. Why do you round it up? It's a lack of honesty in the ministry. Is it a great crushing thing? Well, no, but it does show something there. You're trying to make yourself out to be bigger than what you are. I can tell you this. I've done more funerals than I've done weddings. Is that successful? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Some would think so. Let me close with this last thought. The reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay is sorely lacking in the evangelical community right now. Okay? Listen, Jesus is not your buddy. Okay? He is the creator and sustainer of existence. All right? What has happened is the lack of reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ has cheapened grace. All right. Let me give you something that the Lord said comes out of Matthew's gospel. Twenty five. This is the parable of the talents. Okay, the master gives workers money. Okay. To the one who had received five talents, beginning verse 20. Came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master. You entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. The master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who had received two talents came up to him and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more talents. The master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things, but I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up to the master and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, gathering where you scatter no seed. And I was afraid... And I went away and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But the master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. 
You know that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have put the money in the bank. And upon my arrival, I would have received money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For to everyone who has, more shall be given and will be with abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he does have, shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pretty serious text. Here's my question. I look at pastors, and I, one of the greatest concerns of a true pastor is the reverence for the Lord. Does he have it? But my question now to each of you is how about you? What is it that you have a concern for? You might want to put that text on your concern list to be able to hear well done, true, and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul and the standard that he set. Father, how you used this man who was a hater of you, a hater of Christians, and used him to reach the Gentiles. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this man's faithfulness. Thank you for this man's sacrifice. Thank you for this man's honesty. And thank you, Father, that he had a reverence for his Lord and Savior that is beyond the understanding of my feeble mind. Father, may I understand your holiness. I rest in your holiness. And may those who come in contact with you do the same. In Christ's name, amen.